0: All right, welcome in, guys. Farzine Vasugian here with you for a special edition of the Chief Zone podcast. Very excited to introduce our special guest in a moment. If you see the title of the podcast, you already know who it is. Uh, I mentioned yesterday, uh, January the 1st. I'm not one for New Year's resolutions, uh, but my goal, let's, uh, let's bring some former players on this year. Uh, Page has definitely grown. Podcast has grown. I appreciate you guys for all of that. My goal, 10 former players for uh for 2024 so we're gonna start with number one tonight before we get into that i want to let you know this podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. the chiefs are in the playoffs and guess what they will have at the very least one home game at arrowhead so if you want to go to arrowhead and catch the chiefs in the playoffs got a couple of different scenarios who they could play one of five teams you can go to SeatGeek.com, get your tickets there and if you're a first-time customer you can use my promo code farzine you will get 20 dollars off your first purchase that is only good For first-time customers, put in my promo code FARZINE and you will save $20 off your first purchase. Go check out the Chiefs at Arrowhead for the playoffs or any other sporting event concert you want to attend. Get them through SeatGeek.com and use promo code FARZINE if you are a first-time customer. All right, let's get into it now. Joining me right now on the podcast, he is a former Kansas City Chief. Played for the Chiefs from 2013 to 2015, also doing his podcast as well. So, you guys definitely are familiar with his commentary. Very excited to have this guy on. Former Chiefs defensive end Mike DeVito here on the podcast. Mike, thank you so much. Welcome. How are you?
1: Fars, this is great man thank you for having me on i can't believe i'm the first one of of former players to be on this year yes i'm excited man and the beauty of that is you can only go up from here you know what i
0: mean (laughs) (laughs) you can
1: only get better
0: (laughs) um we were uh we were joking uh before we started uh coming on um about you, you you spent a couple of years here in kansas city and uh, you, said, um, you said that you can tell uh, how long you've been away from the game because of how many times the Chiefs have won the AFC West, which is eight years in a row now, ever since you retired, Mike.
1: Oh, of man. Every year, a new graphic comes out. Hey, look, the Chiefs won the AFC West four times. They won it five times. They won it six times. And I'm just like, man, I'm so glad I retired just in time to watch all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. Uh, but I'm ex- I'm excited because being a, a Chiefs fan and and obviously still having uh, a lot of friends, on, especially on the coaching staff, and then even some guys that are still there that when I was there, you know, it's it's yeah. nice to be able to watch them do well, succeed, and far see what started in 2013 when Andy Reid got there really blossom into what it is now. And so, you know, I would I would die to be a be a part of it. But um, but watching it and seeing what it's become has been really its – it's been awesome, and it's made the transition out of football very nice, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a really good starting point. Uh, you mentioned joining the team in 2013. I'll never forget 2012, man. Um, that was just a devastating year uh, with everything that happened uh, on and off the field, too. Uh, you know, fans um, – Uh, I I think a, a fan got into it with the Chiefs on their Twitter account through DMs, and that became public knowledge. Uh, the Javon Belcher incident, obviously, was a big one. That was a national story. Uh, so several other things that happened, fans flying banners over the stadium, uh, and obviously the worst record in the NFL at 2-12. And, um, and And here's a crazy thing. Uh, they didn't really change a whole lot personnel-wise. On the offensive side, obviously, Alex Smith coming in. On the defensive side, they only changed, uh, they only had three new starters. You were one of them. I'm curious, what was like the mindset and the message going, trying to transition out of 2012 and try trying to start fresh in 2013?
1: You know, it was it was easy for me, Forrest, because I had been uh, with the Jets for six years. So easy in one sense is that I wasn't coming in with any of that inherited stuff that those other guys that were there were dealing with, right? I mean, for me, it wasn't three months ago that our middle linebacker, you know, killed himself and killed someone else. And, and, you know, you had that two and four, I mean, that, that had to be the most difficult – one of the most difficult seasons any team has been through in NFL history. Yeah. And that was just a nightmare. But I, I – you know, for me, I was uh, – because I hadn't been a part of it, it really wasn't um, in the front of my mind. So getting into that facility, what was really shocking – not shocking, but um, was really new was being around Andy Reid. I mean, being around a, an obvious Hall of Fame coach – who everybody trusts. I mean, right away, you know, he knows how to win football games. And he's got a process that's going to get it done. And so that was really nice to buy into that. But one thing I always talk about when I think about those teams is you're, you're exactly right. You, you had all these Pro Bowl players. there, yeah. specifically on defense, but even on offense, you had guys that were incredible players. Um, I still remember the offensive line, right? You got Rodney Hudson, you got Brandon Albert, Jeff Allen. Uh, Schwartz was there, the the, uh, uh, Jeff Schwartz. I mean, you just had you know, uh, Jamal Charles, and then on defense, forget it, you had Tomba, you had Justin, you had EB, you had uh, Derek Johnson. I mean, just it was just loaded, so that was like almost like a paradox to me. Like, how could it be that these guys went two and 14 with all of this talent? Um, and so it, it was you know, it was amazing going in there you know you think you're going into a 2 or 14 team and it's just gonna be a train wreck but it wasn't i mean the one thing i noticed from the jump is i talk about all those hall of fame players they approach the game like undrafted free agents i mean they worked so hard um every day they're there early staying late Uh, i just really had never seen anything like it and so there was a standard that was already set that like hey our best players are going to work their tail off. So if you want to be a leader, if you want to contribute to this defense or this offense, you better live up to the standard that's here. And then you add Andy Reid into the into the mix, and his philosophy, his style of coaching, his style of mentoring, um, the type of person that he is, and his coaching staff around him. Forget it, bars. I mean, this. I know we, you know we have Pat Mahomes, we have these these players that are just um, you know lights out. I mean, the best to ever play the game. But I really do believe that the trajectory was on course to be what the Chiefs are today, regardless just because of the way Andy Reid handles things and because of the philosophy that was so um, entrenched in that locker room, which was just like, we're just gonna get after it. Um, So again, watching them now, having seen where we started in 2013, it's not surprising, but it's it's really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned some of those guys. I remember Tamba Halle uh, was asked about the turnaround because you guys did start 9-0 and um, that year, and he quickly pointed to coaching. He said that's been the biggest difference this year um and, and listen, that defense was a lot of fun to watch. It kind of reminds me of the of the defense right now in a way, and we can get into that a little later on. But man, you mentioned some of those guys, and I think a couple of guys I'd like to add in there, guys like Dontari Poe, Sean Smith, oh. who who I who I think was very underrated, and it kind of reminds me a lot of luxurious Need right now. Uh, What was it like being around those guys during your time here?
1: Oh, as far as it was, it was incredible. Um, you know when I first got there. Glenn Dorsey had left, and I had taken his spot at the end. And, you know, I think Dorsey always got a lot of – well, not a lot of, but he caught flack for not, you know, producing sack numbers that you would think out of a first-round pick at LSU. But as, as a defensive lineman who studied the game and studied players who were excellent at craft, he was one of the guys I watched. Because he was incredible when you watched him in the run game, his technique was great, and he's you know he's in that old school three four yeah. where you're two gap and everything, and so you just you're not getting sacks in that defense regardless. Um, but I, I loved watching him, and so I say that to say I was worried going into that that defense and that team of uh, you know living up to the the standard that he had set at defensive end. Because um, not only did you have all you know, not only did I have all these Hall of Fame players around me, like you said, uh, Dontari Poe, Tyson Jackson, Alan Bailey, all these guys up front. Yeah. Um, but I had to, you know, I had to replace a guy who was who I always looked up to, who was, who was I thought was an incredible player. And so there was a lot of nervousness and there was a lot of anxiety. And I think it, you know, something I wish if I could go back and fix it would be the sort of nervousness, anxiety to be perfect all the time. Be, to try to fill that role and live up to that, I think that that hindered my play a little bit. But that's really how I felt: was like, man, th- these guys are incredible. Um, and so, yeah. But the, but speaking to your question about the, you know, what it was like to be around those guys, they're they're incredible human beings. I mean, I just I was just talking to Alan Bailey the other day. I mean, the NFL is so transient, and it's you don't normally keep friend, not that you don't keep friendships, but keep in contact with people. And I still keep in contact with uh, a lot of those guys. And so um, it was easy to be a part of that brotherhood because as hard as they worked and as good as they were on the field, um, and as, as much as they were guys that deserved to be like ego type guys and about themselves and that, they were not, they were about the team, about the family, about the brotherhood. And so it was really nice to go in there and make you know, lifelong friends. Derek Johnson, you see his, you know, his uh, jersey on the wall, I've got, and there's a picture of him back there. I mean, I just, that's my brother. I love that man. And so, uh, yeah, I made lifelong friends being out there. I'm grateful for that. Jeff Allen, another one. I love, you know, Big Jeff. So I miss those guys Parts.
0: Yeah. And I think you've had Jeff Allen on your podcast uh, at least a couple of times. I haven't heard to every episode, which by the way, um, I know it's with KCSN, but how can people, what's the name of it? And how can people uh, listen to you?
1: Yeah. So um, Jeff and I were doing the one-on-one podcast. We did that for three years. Um, and then this year we switched to, to different roles at KCSN. I'm doing the defensive film room break, breakdown with Craig Stout and Derek Johnson. So that's on every week on uh, KCSN YouTube channel.
0: Very yeah. cool. Okay.
1: So, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I get to hang out with DJ and watch film, which is, which is fun. I like to break down defensive film. So it's, it's, it's a good time,
0: man. DJ, uh, he really turned it around. I know in Oh nine, Everyone kept saying he was in the doghouse. He wasn't getting as many snaps as he would like. And then that that season finale right there, him and Jamal Charles in 09, I'll never forget, which, by the way, I think they were hanging out just last night at the Texas game, which I know did not go well for them. But, man, those guys destroyed the the like if there was like an offensive player and a defensive player in the same game who just absolutely kicked ass it was those two guys and they also well, eliminated was, the Broncos from playoff contention which was crazy so that's good to see DJ uh how, how he turned out his uh, turn around his career I should say
1: well yeah no and just quick to that point it, because uh you know DJ told me that when I got there how he had been in the doghouse for a while until that point I don't know if it was 2009 and I just found that so shocking yeah you know what I mean because he's such a good player I was like. You, how are you ever in the doghouse, you know, but it does speak to the type of, of person that he is that he can overcome that, you know, adversity in his career and become a Hall of Famer, you know, I mean, a lot of guys, myself included, that kind of stuff uh, can really, like I said, hinder you uh, to getting to where you really can be where he used it as motivation to be great. And, that, and that's, again, that that's what makes him so special.
0: I'll going back to the 2013 season. And I don't know how much of the noise you guys heard. Cause at the time, social media was not as big as it is today. Uh, yeah. But I remember some of the criticism was, well, they're, they're beating teams that are bad and have backup quarterbacks. And I always responded. I said, yeah, but a lot of the teams they're beating, they just got whooped the previous year. And I know you were not there for that, but man, a lot of those teams that you guys beat during the nine and those are teams. The chiefs lost to the year before, not just lost. to, got blown out. It was really right. embarrassing to watch. So uh, that, that turnaround season, I will never forget the enthusiasm, uh, just the exuberance from not just the, the team, but from the entire city that year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for us, that was a learning year for everybody. I think, I think, I don't know Andy what Andy Reed's past records have been and I don't know about all you know the players on the team but I had never gone 9 and 0 oh. 9 no. and 0 oh. I mean that was like you know it doesn't matter you you played a 10th of the NFL or, or a third of the NFL sorry you know no. it's like uh you know you can only play who they put I mean you got to play who they put out those are all pros um, and so to go 9 and 0 oh, I think one thing that we learned that I think is continues to carry, especially with Andy Reid and his staff, is you can't let the foot off the gas. I think we got to nine and zero, and we were like, "Damn, we're freaking unstoppable! <laughs> we, we're going to walk into this."
0: And then we finished. What did
1: we finish? Ten and six. Uh,
0: Eleven and five, I think. Eleven yeah. and
1: five. Eleven and five. So yeah. So down the stretch, it was it was uh, you know hard sledding. So, and I think one of the reasons is we let off the gas a little bit. Practice got a little sloppy. You know, you win that many games in a row, things get pushed under the rug. You're not as critical about cr- fixing things. And I think that came back to to bite us. And I think that's something that Andy Reid has. Um, but you see, they really haven't had those kind of slip-ups. But I mean, obviously, they've had struggles and stuff. But yeah. I feel like there was a big difference the, those first nine games. And then we just, you know, we hit a rough patch towards the end of that season. So, yeah. um so yeah, but no that that was incredible. That was a lot of fun. You talk about you know winning in the NFL. You win two in a row. You're going to work. You're feeling good. You're going to lose nine in a row. Damn, you could you couldn't say anything to me. I was freaking my wife and I going out to dinner every night. Of the year. I mean, it was just it was awesome. I,
0: it. I can't remember who said this. I want to say it was Rex Grossman. But he, I I can't remember who said this. I wish I had the the right name. But <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he he. I think it says, it, something was said to the effect of you know when you win one week it, it feels like you're on top of the world. When you lose a game or have 2 back to back losses, it feels like the end of the world. And you kind of feel that even more so now with Twitter and social media and all that. So oh, that's hard. that's just crazy, man.
1: Yeah. The the, the uh. L, you're right. And I, I guess I'm really not thinking about it. I, So right now, but the element of social media to uh, influence momentum—I don't know if that's the right way to say it—but like, because you know, most players, I don't know if they admit it or not, but like, we'll look at that stuff. We'll look at the media, look at the social media, and what what people are saying. And um, you know, I you know, I follow it now. And the Chiefs have one bad game, and it's like Andy Reid needs to retire, and. Cut Pat Mahomes. <laughs> it's just like crazy takes. And you're just like, guys, geez, some crow. Like, we just talked about eight AFC West Conference champions, you know, uh, uh, all the AFC uh, championship games and yeah. uh, all the, you know, the Super Bowls. And it's just like, it's it's easy to forget how, you know, 10 years ago, I mean, you know, we've been on this for a long time, but prior to all of this, it was, again, 2 and 14. So, um, so yeah, but no, it, it, it really can influence the, the social media and how fast opinions can change of a team on one week. Um, it, it's my, it's mind boggling to me sometimes. I mean, sometimes again, I see the criticism. And I'm just like, how, how could you, you know, I think, you know, who's, uh, one I always see is Dan Sorensen, right? Like they have a super bowl ring over there because of the plays that Dan Sorensen. Oh, for made. sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like he had, you know, you have a bad game and they're like, oh, go, you know, go. It's like how quickly you forget how, you know, how impactful these guys were. So, but, but I get it. I'm, I'm on the outside now and I'm like, yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. Um, um, so yeah, the, the key is for, you know, the, the best teams are the ones that are going to be able to block out that noise. And I think Kansas city over this 10 year, 11 year stretch has done a good job of that.
0: You, um, I mean, obviously you joined the chiefs in 2013, but, uh, one defensive coach who you stuck with for quite some time was Bob Sutton. Was he, did he like play a, a role or did he have an influence in you joining the chiefs that year?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause, cause Bob was the linebackers coach in New York. And then Andy, uh, signed him to, uh, to the DC role. Um, and so he was, you know, he was the, the, uh, he was the catalyst in bringing me over. I, I believe that. And I'm, I'm so grateful for Bob. I mean, Bob, uh, yeah, Bob was there. Bob was the DC for the Jets when I first got in the NFL in two thousand seven. Uh, so we we spent my whole career together. Um, so I I love Bob. I I owe I owe him so much. And he was he's a brilliant uh, defensive mind. I, I learned I learned how to study the game because of Bob Sutton. When when we were in New York, um, Bob would have these meetings on Wednesdays before everything else got going. And they were like forty-five minute meetings, and they were optional. You could join if you wanted to. And um, he would break down the run game. He would give you a sort of forty-five minute um, fire hose of the run, the you know the runs that you were going to face for that week. And that was like the most insightful, impactful meeting that uh, meetings I've ever been a part of. I mean, the way he broke down the run game and taught me to. Study down and distances. Study tendencies. Study formations and personnel and all this stuff. Uh, that that changed my game um, uh, because it allowed me even later in my career when I was starting to slow down, to position myself uh, in advantageous you know ways because I knew what was coming. Uh, and I remembered you know, offensive line and linemen towards the end of my career getting so mad, being like how, you know it's like it, like how do you know what we're doing all the time? Like, how are we giving it away? Are we tipping it? You know because I would just study the game so much and he would really taught me how to do that.
0: Did, was it hard for you to see the criticism in 2018 for him when the chiefs were ranked 31st and then eventually losing his job in Kansas City?
1: Yeah, it was, it was hard far as I think, um, I think that is a product of just, you know, I don't, I don't think it was Bob's fault. I think the personnel changed and I think, the, you know, we the way that offenses have changed since since 2013, but you know, yeah. um, you know, it, it just is a different game. And so, like the deep, like when I look at these guys now, the speed of the game is incredibly fast. And every, you know, it's all, you know, when a team like like we saw last week with the, with KC when they run the football a lot, that's like an outlier, right? It's like everybody's chucking the ball. Everybody's up the field, 100 miles an hour on defense, um, and so that's just what the game has evolved to. You know, not there. Obviously, there are outliers, but it used to be run heavy, right? I, I've told this story a lot before, but my first year in the NFL, 2007, we had you know playing Brady twice a year in New England, yeah. and you think Tom Brady in his prime, where his prime ended up being two decades, but in his prime. Um, I remember the personnel groups we were studying for the most were 13, 22, 23. And uh, the Patriots had these big-ass tight ends and offensive linemen, and they were just running downhill, running the football. Um, and so, the you know, so that was what the game was when I got started. And then 2013, we get to the Chiefs, and, you know, at the end of the year, my D-line coach comes in and he says, hey, look, you got to work on your pass rush. And he said, we did a breakdown of the – of the plays and 70% of the plays are in 11 personnel. Uh, I was like, bro, I'm 32 and I'm 320 pounds. Like it's over. It's over. This is, you signed a run stop. You know what I mean? Like this is it. But the game has just changed so much. And I think 2018 when, with the situation with that, I think the personnel had changed to match the game. You got big Chris Jones and guys like that. Um, but the defense was still, you know, Rex Ryan, Bob Sutton, a lot of two gap elements and the, the thing is especially up front fars when you have um you know there's a, there's tension right cuz you have a guy like Chris Jones who you don't want him two gapping you yeah. know what i mean that just that's why you're wasting his talent by doing that tell him to go 100 miles an hour the problem is when you got bob sutton's defense and you do that it messes everything up because you have to two-gap up front. That's why Tony Saragusa and Kelly Gregg and all these – I mean, they've made their livings, you know, and Ray Lewis and those guys were making plays in the backfield because the big guys in that defense are supposed to hold people up. If they fly off the football, it's it just screws everything up. And so, again, this isn't to blame Chris or anything. I think it was just – or or anybody over there. I think – again, I think it's crazy to, to have Chris two-gap. I um, no but the personnel changed the defense didn't and the 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 personnel didn't match Bob's defense but it does match perfectly with Spags's defense um you know it works it works great those guys you know get off the ball play run on the way to the quarterback you know what i mean i mean yeah. that's that's the kind of defensive you that's the kind of defensive line defense you're you're looking for and so i think Spags and and you, obviously Andy Reid he knows that and mm. so Spags is the perfect guy. I mean, I remember, you know, what was Spags coaching when I got in the league? Was he with the Rams?
0: Uh, he was the head coach there for one year, and I think he took. a – I know he took a break the year before he came to the Chiefs. I can't remember where he was. I'll look it up quickly.
1: Yeah, no, well, we, I, but I remember, like wherever he was, that's the type of defense they ran. Where it was like, yeah, the Rams was like 100 miles an hour up the field. I remember up the field. I remember Chris Long and those guys just flying up the field. Yeah. Uh, and so that really fits well in today's world. And Andy Reed knows that. So it's a perfect hire. Yeah.
0: He was the uh, interim coach with the giants and also their defensive That's coordinator for a few years. Yeah. And then he took a, looks like he took a break during the uh, 2018 season. Um, I did want to go back to 2013, a couple of other things, obviously, yeah. you know, that, that season didn't end the way anyone wanted it to in Indianapolis. Uh, obviously like as a fan, like that was just complete heart- heartbreak. Um, I'm curious uh, from uh, the other side of it as a as a player. um, What do you remember after the game in terms of what Andy Reid said, what uh, how the players were feeling? Because I think as players, excuse me, as fans, we feel a certain way, but we don't see like the other side of it. Can you maybe give us like a little bit of insight, like what Andy Reid maybe said after the game and how some of the guys in the locker room felt?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I don't even remember what Andy said after the game. I just remember that. I don't know if I've been more disappointed in my football career than after that game. Because, um, you, you, I mean, everybody knows the story. No. Um, but, and, and you know what else was frustrating? We were so far ahead that I didn't I didn't really play because, all you know, it was all nickel and dime defenses out there because we were crushing them. So I had to watch the whole thing from the sideline. So I didn't even get to, you know, I didn't even get to really contribute at all, and then to watch us, you know, get closer and closer and start losing and losing and losing, you know, get, you know, the 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 spread get closer and closer and closer, and guys, key guys getting hurt and the concussions, and then we're out of running backs, and then linemen are getting hurt, and it just was like, I just have never been a part of such a disastrous, you know, collapse, and I remember. Being so motivated going into that off season, um, because I was just like I, I, I that that I woke up every day with the taste in my mouth from that game. Um, so it was just, it was miserable. It was mm-hmm. yeah. There was that was probably the worst loss in my career. Um, and that year didn't play out any better for me because I ended up getting heartbreaking my hand in training camp, missed all the training camp twenty fourteen, then tore my Achilles in the first game. And missed the tooth. So that 2014 was not a good year for me started off with the, you know, the worst loss of my career and then sitting out the whole year because of injury. Um, but yeah, so I, it was so bad. I don't even remember what Andy Reid said. I, I just remember wanting to, I just wanted to get out of that locker room, go home and just try to reset and, and move on the next year because it was such an awful taste in your mouth. Um, hmm. and I think, uh, who was next? Who are we going to put? We would have played New England next, I think. And was that the, the flight gate? I year?
0: honestly don't recall. That was a... I, the flight gate was, was the following year. The, the flight gate oh, was the following it. year, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I, I, I remember being like, damn, we had a good chance to get on a run if yeah. we would have kept that together. Um. So, yeah, no, that that was that was a really, really frustrating loss. And there just are no words after something like that. You know, I, I would imagine, you know, obviously something even more difficult would be that 20 to three collapse in the, in the Super Bowl with new England and uh, Atlanta oh, and just, you gosh. see like, something like that happen. And you just, I always, I always wondered, what, what did Dan Quinn say to those guys? Like, yeah. I, I don't know if there is anything you can really say other than like, ah, you know, hang together, hang together, hold each other up, you know? And I'm, I'm sure coach Reed's message was something like that because, Those are just those are devastating losses. It's one thing if it's back and forth and back and forth and you know, you come out on top or you come out but it's like when you're crushing a team absolutely crushing the team and then you let them back in and win oh man awful i, I don't want to talk it anymore
0: <laughs> yeah let's, let's go ahead and move on from that uh, i think we already got the answer to that question um uh, last thing i want to say about that season a lot of people forget because he didn't play that year but that was the year travis kelsey was drafted and obviously you know no one could see uh his career pan out the way it has now um I know you were on the defensive side. You were a newcomer. He was also a newcomer. Did you get a chance to spend a lot of time around him? Did you get to know him? Do you have any st- funny stories maybe about him uh, from uh, his rookie season?
1: Yeah. You know, I, one thing I love about, loved about Kelson. It's been this way since then is um, he's, he's just got so much swag, man. He just like always looking good, always dressed good. And, and uh, always carries a um, a smile. Right. He's got he just has a, a presence about him. And so, yeah, no. But one thing that's interesting is I remember his frustration that first year. And uh, when you look at his story and I didn't realize this until, you know, recently when he did an interview, I think, on E60 about everything that happened at Cincinnati and how he got kicked off the team and how his brother had to fight to get about, you know, and he had to fight his way back. Yeah. And then he fights his way back, gets drafted and then gets hurt the first year. You know, just the the, the um, tenacity that he has to just keep to not those type of things crush guys. Um, but he, you know, his tenacity to keep going, keep grinding, to keep working hard um, has been incredible. And so, yeah, no, I but I, I you know, you asked for a funny story. It's like I always tried to uh, to copy him with the the stuff he would wear to the games, right? So he'd be all dressed up nice, and I go, damn, I gotta. You know, I gotta dress up like Kels, and I put some stuff on. My wife be like, "No, you, you can't do it. Three twenty can't just can't do a skinny tie and skinny jeans. It ain't gonna work." You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> oh,
0: so. you know, it's another interesting season uh, that you were a part of. Was the twenty fifteen season when uh, the team started one in five? And I think I remember seeing on one of like the uh, I think Frank Bowl, um posted. Uh, One of the sports betting websites said that the Chiefs only had a 1.4% chance of making the playoffs, and, man, you guys cruised after that 1-5 start. Um, What do you attribute that to? What what changed after those first six weeks?
1: As far as there was one meeting, and I, I tell people this all the time, it was such a profound moment in my life. It was after the Minnesota loss, the Vikings, so that was the fifth loss. And um, we were going to play Detroit and London the next week. And um, Andy Reid had a meeting, a team meeting, and he was fired up. And he said, here's what we're going to do. He said, we're not going to think about Sunday. He's like, everybody's going to tell you we're not making the playoffs. We said, we're not going to worry about the playoffs. We're not going to worry about games down the road. We're not going to even worry about this game. We're not going to worry about anything except for what's next on the schedule. He said, whatever's next on the schedule, whether it be going to eat lunch, whether it be to work out, whether it be to you know meetings, whatever it is, win at whatever that is. We're gonna do that better than our opponents do. So when you go to eat lunch, eat better than your opponents do, right? When you go to watch films, study more, study hotter, study better than your opponents are. Lift weights, same thing. Take your wife out to dinner, same thing. Better meal, better everything than what your opponents are gonna do. Let's cultivate this winning uh in these little you know these little small steps and and i'll tell you what that changed that one speech changed the trajectory of the entire thing um there were other elements involved i think one thing when you get to a point where you're one in five um and the guys know that that's you know your, your chances of being successful are really low Basically none. I don't know if there was another team in the NFL that had come back. There, maybe there must have been one if it was a one percent chance. But I thought it was zero. Um, but the one, you know, you have what guys will end up doing. There are two different two different trajectories that can get out of that can get everybody out of whack in situations like that. You got know, one guy who might be up on a contract year, and this is a guy that's just going to go rogue to pad his stats so that he can start building a resume to get a better contract right you see like on defense guys playing outside of the defense just to try to make plays because screw it who cares we're not we're not going anywhere so let me just you know do what i got to do to get my money and then you have other guys who already have their contracts who are saying you know what i just don't want to get hurt uh, yeah so i'm gonna try to you know get out of as much as i can and be as safe as i can and not work you know and i think Andy Reid, the way he builds teams is he makes sure there's leadership at each position, right? Each position has a strong leader. Um, You can see the way he crafts a roster that he's paying attention not only to talent and skill set, but you can point to each spot and say, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, the guys are going to follow that guy. Um, And I think having a roster that had that element of leadership on it kept guys from going in either of those two directions I just laid out. So you had that, you know, elements like that just built into to Andy Reid's philosophy that kept us together and, and kept us going. But I really that that one meeting, team meeting, I, I still remember it. Um, that was that pivotal, changed the whole thing as far as, I, I've never seen anything like it. And then we go to England, uh, you know, England or wherever it was, the UK, yeah. beat uh, Detroit, and then boom, then we're running them. So bam, 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 now we're back in it. And what did we win? 11 in a row before we lost to New England?
0: I want to say 11, including the playoffs.
1: Including the playoffs, yeah. And then lost to New England, which is fitting because my whole life I've been losing to Tom Brady, growing up a Jets fan in New England, losing to Tom Brady, playing six years for the Jets, losing to Tom Brady. Last game in the NFL, January 16th, 2016. In Foxborough, lost to the, to New England and Tom Brady. So well, it was a it was a poetic way to leave the NFL.
0: <laughs> well, I gotta say, I gotta say, I and mean, I wanted to bring this up, but I, I guess this is the perfect time to get into it. Man, I'll never forget those um those two years with the Jets, where you guys were so close. Like everybody thought it was the Jets' year to go to the Super Bowl, and I think I think you guys beat the Patriots in one of those playoff games, if I that recall.
1: Biggest win in my career was the divisional round against New England, where three or four weeks earlier in the regular season, we lost 42 to three or something like that to New England in New England. Now we're back there in the divisional round. And, you know, playing Tom Brady, we knew, and I'm sure teams talk about um, Mahomes like this, it's like you got to cut the head off the snake. Yeah. He's. He's the head of the whole thing. If you can neutralize him, we're done. They're done, and you're, you're good to go. And so I remember that first defensive drive. Uh, I don't remember if we started the game or if we came off second, but whatever it was, you know, Brady and New England start driving down the field, and you're like, oh, no, here we go. They're on fire. They're hot. Then all of a sudden, you know, midway down, play happens, and they throw a pick. They throw it to Dave Harris, our linebacker. And he runs it all the way back. I don't think he scored, but he ran it all the way back. And it, that was another one of those in an instant. We knew we got him. We got them. They're not. We, they're not ready. And from that point on, we kept the foot on the gas, and they they couldn't come back. And so, uh, and that man, that was the that was the biggest win of my career. And being you know having family, even growing up in New England, my family, friends, everybody in yeah. New England. Uh, that was that was a nice that was a nice feeling. They they hated my guts, but uh, <laughs> and New England was fourteen and two that year. I mean, yeah. they, they would have won the Super Bowl if they won that game. Um, well, but well, yeah, no, that that was the biggest win. I mean, that those two years were fun. I, I I loved playing for Rex Ryan. He he just you went to work and just had so much fun. So much. I mean, he was just so funny, and the coaching staff was funny, and it was just. Um, very loose and like you make a mistake. Ah, screw it. Let's move on. You know, you laugh it off. You move on. Um, and I was I was surrounded by just I football icon. I mean, like I got to play with Danian Tomlinson. I got to play with um, Jason Taylor, right? I got to play with these Darrell Revis. Yeah. Uh, I got to, Chris Jenkins. I got to play with these incredible players. Uh, the offensive line. I saw Nick Mangold, the Brigashaw Ferguson. All these guys alan fanica you know it was just yeah. so i get to you know i get to be around hall of fame players as a young player and to you know to be around Rex ryan and his coaching staff i mean those two years were the most fun i had in the league hands down um
0: a couple more questions before we let you go here uh, i know you mentioned um you, you were born in new york you went to high school in massachusetts and you kind of stuck in that region that northeast region you went to college in maine um and you're still uh you're still very involved i see um I want to get the right title here. You are the Director of Player Development and Alumni Relations for Maine. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of people uh, want to stay connected with um, uh, their alma mater and whatnot. So it's really cool to see you're doing that. Uh, can you maybe dive into your uh, your title a little bit? Because I think we hear these kinds of jobs, like head coach, assistant coach, like everyone knows uh, sure. what those entail. But titles like this, um, you know, Director of Operations, those kinds of things, we, we don't really know much about those. Uh, what do you do for Maine yeah. as, as much as you can, you're allowed to discuss? us
1: yeah far as no it's it's interesting because um it it's not a role that you see in every college there are a lot there are you know a number of colleges that have it uh the player development role but it's something that i that i learned in the nfl because nfl teams have player development player engagement roles and so yeah so back up a little bit two years ago the university of maine hired jordan stevens who played defensive line with me when I was at Maine. Um, and so we were teammates together and we played on the defensive line together. So when you maine hired him, I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to be in to, to do whatever I can to help. And going back to my NFL experience, I, I knew how important the player development role was and I saw that we didn't have that. And so I, um, what what so I said, hey, let's let me be a part of this, let me, you know, take this role. And that, that was something that Jordan thought was a good idea. that you know the coaching staff thought was good, organization thought was good, and so we went with it. And it's different, you know, it's I, I originally went into it thinking it was gonna be like the NFL. Obviously, college is a lot different than the NFL. Um, what I do is sort of tangential to football and academics, but yet I still get involved with those roles as well. But it's dealing with leadership development and career development and networking and alumni relations, connecting our alumni with our current players, you know, former players or current players. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a lot of things, uh, getting guys jobs in the summer or uh, dealing with apartment stuff and things that I can take off the coach's plate so they can focus on football and things I can take off the player's plate so they can focus on on football and academics. And then working with the guys to build a more holistic uh, approach to the player. So they're getting, you know, hopefully I'm instilling other uh, attributes and values that you wouldn't just get from academics and football. And so it's been really fun for us. And the thing that's been nice about it for me personally is i miss missed the game so much. I miss being a part of a team and working towards something uh, you miss the, you know, you miss the guys in the locker room. And so this has been great because it allows me to be back around the game again. Um, and I've tried, you know, I've tried coaching, I've tried broadcasting, all that stuff, but I just don't, I'm just not talented in those areas. Um, and I think a lot of times people think because you played, oh, you'll be a great commentator, or you'll be a great media person, or you'll be a great coach, and it's just not the case. Those are totally different talents. The player development role is, is perfect because I can go on, go in there, encourage the guys, try to motivate the guys give them any information i can uh but then it, it gives so much back to me because i get to be a part of it again be a part of the team and uh and so yeah so it's been a, it's been a lot of fun it's been a lot of re- you know rewarding experience and uh and yeah i'm looking forward to the future continuing to do it and uh you know we're talking yeah you know you finish the year and you, you're thinking about recruiting and getting better and it's like i'm you know i'm so excited to be a part of that and help try to help this team continue to grow and get better so i'm, I'm very fortunate
0: I've got to ask this. I'm. I've, this is one of the things I really wanted to ask you. I'm very curious because uh, I'm a huge UFC fan. And I think Dana White is also from Maine and he showed uh, a little bit of, I think he's, he still has like a, a vacation or something there. I'm very curious. What is Maine like for to, to someone that's never been there before? How would you describe it?
1: Oh, it's, in, you know, it's funny. Dana White's house is like 10 minutes from me. Oh, uh, nice. Do you guys hang out? It's so cool. It's so cool that the, you got Dana White, and then in the other direction, Stephen King's house is about ten minutes oh, the other way. Look yeah, at that! So it's, uh, it's wild. What is Maine like? Wow, it's you know, it's there's a lot of rural areas. That the the the, um, uh, the environment it, just like being outside is great. It's cold. It's freezing cold. Uh, it's freezing, which I love. Being three hundred twenty pounds, like you know, I love it. Um, you know, the people rely on me a lot of Kansas City. It's like very humble hard-working, loving, caring, great people. Um, it's an excellent place to raise kids. I think if I was coming, you know, I'm more central Maine, uh, central northern Maine. If I was coming here to vacation, there are beautiful spots along the, along the coast, right? Bar Harbor and all these beautiful places. There's, you know, obviously a ton of fish, lobster, all that stuff. Um, you know where i'm at i'm close to the i'm close to the um the uh, campus which has 16,000 students so that's really built up but i'm tucked away a very rural area uh again snow cold great people i love it it's it's great i mean it's it's not that much different than the midwest to be honest outside of you know you have the you know you have the co- the uh, ocean on one side um but yeah no it's a, it's a great place great people and uh, excellent place to raise kids. I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to have my boys, give, have an opportunity to watch my boys grow up here. So I, love it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Far
0: Good, good. Very cool. Um, last thing before we let you go, we, we've obviously covered a lot, your, your time with the Chiefs, Maine and Jets. Uh, I got to ask you about the current team. Uh, the defense, obviously again, against you know a very good group of wide receivers, just continuing to get the job done. Uh, and, and the offense showed some improvement. I know a lot of people not happy about six field goals, but I keep saying, you know, you got to start somewhere because the Chiefs have had issues scoring. Uh they've been under 20 in a lot of games recently, but they uh they uh managed to pass that threshold. Uh what do you make of this current defense right now because I think they just keep proving themselves time and time again. It hasn't been perfect, but man, they've gone up against a lot of top-tier wide receivers and they just keep shutting them down. What do you make of this defense right now?
1: As, far as I I get I always get so you know, I'm, I'm like bittersweet about this defense because my crew from my, my era, we always talk about how man, imagine if we had our defense with that. Not, nothing, our offense was really good, but if you know, you, you think about the 2018, 2019, 2020, you know, Pat Mahomes and that offense with our defense, right? All those guys, yeah. uh, man, we'd be, we'd be, you know, killing it. And now I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'm pretty. This defense, I. You know, I don't want to speak at a turn. This, this is up for debate, but I would say that this is probably the best defense that the Andy Reid era has seen. I mean, yeah. They're just, they're just statistically everything. They're just locked down and they've just been consistent. I mean, I can't can you think of a bad game? I mean, maybe I'm forgetting one, but they've just they've just been so consistent. Yeah. You know, Tom, Tom Brady said uh, the other, you know, there was big news the other, a week or so, I don't know how long ago it was, but he said the quality of the game isn't as good as it was when we were there. And I know that got a lot of hype and there are different ways to, to think about that and, and, and discuss that. The one thing I will say is given the restrictions on practice time, it's not surprising, especially come, you know, when I watch the game as, you know, somebody who prided myself as a technician in the run game, it's not surprising that some of the techniques are sloppy because you just don't think, you know, we practiced 12 hours, you know, we were at the facility 12 hours a day in OTAs let alone training camp in the regular season. I mean, we just had so much more time. Um, I say all that to say, I don't see that with Kansas city. I see technically sound football, not just guys, you know, getting it done because they're super talented. But there's like technically sound football across the board. The run game, everybody has perfect fits, and there a lot of times they're in light boxes, perfect fits up front. They're doing a great job against the run. Obviously, they can get pressure, and that's Spags's thing. Um, yeah. So again, I think it's the best. It's arguably the best defense that the Andy Reid era has seen, which is saying a lot when you think of some of the defenses and some of the guys yeah. that have been in there. And I think again. Anybody can have one good game, but to have 17 good games, that's that's hard to do. I've I've been on two years in a row, I believe we were the number one defense in the NFL. And there were games we had bad, you know, we had bad games. I haven't seen this this team do that. And so no, it's so strange, Fars, and and you would probably you know better than I do, but I just can't explain the struggles on offense because they're so talented. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're so. T-
0: you know what, what I noticed is they look like, I mean, I know there was that blow up with Willie Gay on the sidelines, but after that, after that 17-7 start, they just looked like they were having fun. I have yeah. not been able to say that in a long time this season.
1: Right. That's it. Yeah, got to have fun. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. You got to have fun and play loose. And, and it could be something like that, right, where it's like a batter gets in a slump or, tiger woods is you know off his putting game or something like it could be that they just you have one bad game and then that's the spy the mental spiral effect where it's just like you can't get out of your own way and you're exactly right that's why it's so important to have fun to play loose because it mitigates though that sort of um that worry of just getting in that that funk um because you know when you're out there having fun everything's good um so, yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And that was great to see. And this was a really important game to win, obviously. But trending upward going into the playoffs, I mean, we see it every year. Like teams that stagger and stumble into the playoffs generally don't last long. It's the, you know, but the 9-7 and seven team or that has won the last three and now they're going to – that's the Giants that beat the perfect Patriots in the Super Bowl. So no. that's what you're looking for. And this was a game that they had to win. Obviously, next week you should go and crush San Diego or um,
0: the Chargers. The
1: Chargers. We yeah, knew what you so meant. Dating myself, <laughs> I still call them San Diego. I'm, Everyone
0: I'm does. Everyone does.
1: <laughs> but uh, but no. So it was good to see the momentum going, getting in the right direction. Perfect time for it. And. Um, and so, yeah, but no, okay. So to your question, yeah, the defense is incredible. And forget it. If the offense can get that spark back, forget it. They'll they'll walk into the Super Bowl. They just got they just got to get it going. And I love the way they went to the run, right? It's like have have um, uh, Pacheco just run the focus. Yeah. You got the big offensive line. I watch those guys double team up there. I'm just like, oh my goodness, thank God I'm retired. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how they hang in there. I, you know, this the, the, lean on that. You run the football like that, everything else opens up. The, the game just becomes so much easier for everybody. so But, yeah, no, no, it, the, the defense is looking real good, brother. Uh,
0: before you go, your podcast, uh, for those who may be joining in a little late, um, how can people listen to your podcast? And if you're on social media, how can people follow you?
1: Oh, of course. Thank you, brother. I'm on uh, Twitter at MichaelDeVito70, and then um, the podcast is called uh, is the defensive uh, film breakdown with Craig Stout and Derek Johnson. And that is every week on KCSN it's on um, uh, the YouTube channel on KCSN YouTube channel. So and that's, that's a lot of fun. We get to go through the X's and O's and, uh, Break down the game in some some details. That's a good time. Thank you, Farz. I appreciate
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you uh, making time. Uh, Best of luck. Uh, We'll keep in touch, and um, hopefully, uh, the Chiefs uh, come away victorious. uh, Get the get another Lombardi this year.
1: Yeah, Farz. Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's an honor to be number one. I can't wait to see who's on here next, man. Again, you're you're
0: going up from here. (laughs) We'll have to do this again sometime. Hey, Mike. uh, Thank you again. Uh, You take care. Happy New Year, and uh, we'll keep in touch. See you, Farz. Appreciate you brother. Thank You, you, Mike. Take care. All right, that is Mike DeVito, former Chiefs defensive end. Uh, I was very curious to know what Maine was like. Very curious to know. And uh, for him to be uh, uh, somewhat of a connection to Dana White. Uh, very cool. Indeed. Very cool. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Once again, a big shout out to Mike DeVito for taking the time to come on the podcast. If you, have, if you haven't done so, check out his podcast. He mentioned where it is. Uh, check it out on KCSN's YouTube page. And uh, he does a lot of commentary on, uh, on social media from time to time. So uh, check that out uh, as well. All right. My name is Faraz Misugi and thank you all for downloading and listening to this podcast of the chief zone. Tomorrow we'll be back. We will revisit the Bengals game one last time. Uh, kind of put the bow on that and then move forward to the chargers game. I will be honest. I don't know. Um, I know uh, Mike was mentioning, you know, expecting to blow them out, but I don't know at the end of the day, uh, if the starter is going to play much, I know, um, Chris Jones might because he wants to get that deal Uh, or I think he's like one sack away from a million. I don't know what it is exactly. I don't remember the uh, the incentives uh, specifically, but um, there's that. I know Kelsey needs 16 yards or or something uh, of that uh, of that nature to get a thousand and he would be the uh, seventh player to do it eight years in a row. I mean, that'd be pretty cool to get. So I remember they let Kareem Hunt play that week 17 game just to get the rushing record. And as soon as he got that touchdown, that long touchdown run, they took him out of the game. So uh, the press conference is tomorrow afternoon, early afternoon. So we will see what Andy Reid says. He tends to let it be known. 2013, the Chiefs rested the starters in week 17. 2017, that was Mahomes' debut. And then uh, I think the Chiefs did it again in 2020, where uh, the Chiefs had the number one seed locked up. So... We will see what happens there. All right. Once again, big shout out to Mike DeVito. Thanks to him for coming on the, on the podcast. Thank you to you guys to, for uh, download or downloading, listening to the podcast, or for those who watched live on Facebook and YouTube, trying to uh, get my words together there. All right, guys, I'm out of here. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Talk to you tomorrow. Take care.